Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and extremely excited for today's episode with Tim Lewis, or also known as Dr. Tim Lewis. And we were joking around about that earlier, but he does have his doctorate. And um, really looking forward to speaking with, with Tim about his background, not only as a, a former college athlete, a former coach, former administrator, um, and now kind of working in the uh, diversity and inclusion and strategy business development realm. Um, Tim's got a ton of different experience and we're going to hit on diversity of thought and uh, a little bit from a transition standpoint for student athletes uh, as Tim spent some time at the NCAA. So Tim, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I've been looking forward to it all week to, to be able to speak with you and, and share a little bit of knowledge that somebody has always passed along to me and also share some of my experiences. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you for your time. And, and, you know, the whole purpose of our podcast is to try and provide advice and insights for those, you know, uh, who are trying to get into the industry or, you know, have made a bunch of different moves, like someone like yourself, right, going from one thing to another, um, and kind of understanding that there's different paths that you can take within the industry, even though it may not be direct, right. So you started off as a student athlete, and then you're a men's basketball coach for eight plus years. Can you talk a little bit about your transition from playing to coaching and then ultimately getting into administration? Oh, absolutely. It's um, something that's a very hot topic right now. We talk about the transition and athletic identity and all those things like that. And it's, um, it wasn't the easiest of transitions just from the perspective of all I knew. I had played basketball for so long, right? So you wake up every day and you're you're going to class or sometimes you're working out, you know, very, very early and you're going to class after that. Um, you got study hall, you got practice, you know, you got so many different things that throughout the day that you're doing and then you do those so much that you, you get in a routine. And sometimes there's some things that kind of you lack, right? Because you're so focused on your sport. And um, for me, it was basketball, obviously. Um, and I don't regret any, anything around my basketball experience. It was unbelievable uh, playing junior college and playing Division One basketball after that at Jacksonville State. Uh, the transition was very interesting because I went from a student athlete straight into coaching, right? Gratis is the basketball coach at um, University of Alabama. And so that was a little bit of a change because I was more of a, the coach and I was, you know, the player. Um, and I got my master's and my MBA during that time. And then I, it's, it's the weirdest thing that ever happened. Um, 2010, I took a shift um, into healthcare, strategic planning and business development, right? Don't know where that came from and how that was going to be impactful for my life. But at the same time, I was coaching basketball at Shelton State Community College. So I was still coaching ball at night. I was in corporate healthcare throughout the day. And I never thought how impactful that experience would be, but it gave me a foundational skill set that I use to this day. You know, strategy and business development. So many, so many organizations, and, and they like to be able to see that skill set. And so, um, and that was based on relationships that I had in the industry. And I did that for four and a half years at UAB. And it was, Jake, let me tell you, it was frightening the first six to nine months because you go from a domain that you're so a subject matter expert in basketball, shooting threes, dunking, assist, rebounds. I mean, those things are so simple. We've, 
we've made sports so complicated these days. It's such a simple concept. But then when you go into a boardroom and you're presenting to multiple CEOs of like hospital systems or you're dealing with budgets that, you know, one or 2% could literally be worth millions of dollars that you're forecasting or you're talking about mergers and acquisitions. It, it was a different mindset um, that really challenged me in a way that I had never been challenged in my life. And I had the ability to do it. I just had never done it before, right? So- And part, uh, of, it's, and part of it's taking that leap of faith, right? Because some would say in your position, okay, you're trying to you know, rise up the ranks from a college basketball coach perspective. You're, you know, you're at Alabama, then you go to the, you know, you could have just kept going right wherever you were but you decided to just take a, a left right when maybe you thought you were taking a right or going straight but you still got to pursue a passion along with a totally different experience and some people maybe see that as either still hanging on or you know or or potentially not being able to give it up right and okay, well, I'm still going to pursue my passion, but I don't really have a passion about that, but I'm going to go make more money, right? Or something about <laughs> sport, right? And, and no one ever wants to say it, right? But, but it's real. <laughs> so how, you know, what, I guess from a thought perspective, right? Like what, what went into that decision-making process? Jake, you hit the nail on the head, brother. Like literally, you know, I had opportunities to go, after I finished my MBA, I had opportunities to go back to the athletic department and do another internship or, and I said, you know what? <laughs> I come from a single, you know, parent household. I'm the first, first gen college student. And I said, you know what? I gotta go make some money. Like that was literally a part of the decision um, was I needed to be able to make money because, you know, I can't call home. I can't do certain things. So that was part of it. But also too, I knew that I wanted to have a certain, level of transferable skills that I can apply back to the sports industry or different industries, the tech industry, healthcare. So for me, I was looking at the bigger picture and I, I love coaching some of the best memories that I've ever had in my entire life. But also too, I knew that that domain for me was somewhat limited. Um, and I had to go put myself in a different realm. And if I wanted to make a little bit more money and, you know, and have, you know, the opportunity to go do some things in life, I needed to start thinking outside the box. So you hit the nail on the head, like for sure. It was, it was to make more money, but also get transferable skills too. Yeah, sure. Well, and I think about, I mean, I love to coach and I've, I've had coaching <laughs> my background. I was a, I was a college athlete played and then started to coach and you realize the path that you have to go down moving, you know, pretty much zero pay, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that you don't want to chase that. It's that you see the opportunity like yourself, and no matter what it is, it could be healthcare, it could be the business side of sports, it could be banking, um, but you see the opportunity to go get those transferable skills, right? Develop a passion in something else, and then also be able to utilize the coaching and teaching skill sets, uh, experience in other forms of your life, whether it's mentoring, whether it's teaching, right? Whether it's... Um, really leadership right within a department like you can do it in a lot of different ways in which yes you're not on the court you're not on the field but you can still coach in a sense right mm -hmm. you, you're absolutely dead on with that and so the skill sets that i was getting from um, my coaching and playing days i was able to apply that to my very first professional opportunity 
And I did a pretty good job of those relations, like relationship management. We're talking about, you know, diversity and inclusion is so big right now. We're talking about those kind of things. Well, you know, I'm so used to stepping into a recruits home. It could be a single parent home, you know, two parent home, no parent home. You know, you never know how their backgrounds are. So you have to be able to relate to them in so many different ways. And also, too, when you got them on a team, you got so many different personalities to try to get to a same goal as a person. You know, you're a former athlete and coach and all that, too. So you understand that those same transferable soft skills apply into wherever you, you go. Um, and so the hard skills that I learned, obviously, with the strategy, biz dev and things like that, it's funny. Um, when I went to the NCAA, you know, we had just started a new department. Um, and those skills actually combined with the soft skills of being a player, coach, can relate to parents, student athletes, you know, athletic directors, administrators, whatever we may talk about. I was able to combine all of that and literally be able to have dialogue with so many different people from so many different perspectives because of my previous background. And also understanding where strategy and biz dev and relationships and engagement and partnerships, how that plays a big factor in what we're trying to achieve. So it's weird how it all came together. Um, it, that's not, well, that wasn't my plan, um, but those skills helped me tremendously. Well, you said something there where you mentioned that you were able to have those conversations, right? The ability to have those conversations is not just walking up to Tim and asking him a question. You have to have had that experience or that perspective or that diversity of thought through the different things that you've done, skills that you've developed, et cetera, to be able to be equipped to have that conversation and make it an effective conversation, right? There's a difference between just having a conversation with someone crossing your fingers and hoping something happens versus having an effective conversation, trying to understand what the other person across the other side of the table uh, or in our day now, right, the other side of the screen, uh, <laughs> yeah. understanding what they're thinking, feeling, and what their perspectives are because they come from somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to hit on the diversity of thought piece in that, you know, you were a player, you were a coach, you were an administrator, and you also had a lot of different educational experiences as well to where you're seeing a lot of different things from a, from a different lens that then once you go and deal with X person, Y person, and Z person, you're able to, to like you said, relate to the different personalities, uh, whether they're a player, whether they're a parent, whether they're um, a sponsor or a CEO. Walk us through kind of the diversity of thought and just how important that is from an awareness piece of, of understanding what your diversity of thought is. And then also, how do you expose yourself to further your diversity of thought? I'll tell you, you know, I, um, I was able to touch on what you just said. When I look back at some of my experiences in the last really 12 years, right? I'm 37 now. And I feel like I'm an old soul, Jake. I feel like I'm such an old soul with some you of the and things. I, you and I, you just have some years on me. That's all. <laughs> I feel like I'm an old soul, right? You know, but I'll tell you, um, the ability to think like a coach, right? So, I, I, you know, that is a very tremendous experience that I've had um, at the SEC level, right? And also a jury college level. Um, but then, you know, going into a business setting, right? We talk about strategy and business development. 
you're talking about forecasting, futuristic thinking. You know, where do we want to be one, three, five years from now? And then how do we work our way backwards to get that? So you're thinking truly like not only are you thinking about customers slash patients or whatever, but you're thinking about how can we get there? So you have to really forecast. You have to collaborate, right? And so some of those other skills go into that. Then I got to the NCAA um, and the stuff that we're dealing with at that national level um, can be complicated, but also easy depending on your, your perspective. So for me, the diversity of thought, you know, when I was there, I was always able to put myself in the shoes of somebody else, right? Um, when you have so many different kinds of meetings and different perspectives and you sit back and you learn. And so at the national office, uh, NCAA national office, I was able, I was former coach, got it. Former student athlete, got it. Administrator now, got it. Understand the business of sport. When you talk about strategy business development, because it is a business. People don't want to admit that. They don't want to say it. They, everybody wants to say it's all feel good. We're here for, you know, just the love of the game. No, it's a business and it has very profit loss statement kind of um, implications with things. Let's just, let's just call a spade a spade. And so um, I was able to see things from so many different viewpoints. Um, but what that allows you to do when you have diversity of thought, you can listen to other people's viewpoint because there are subject matter expertise um, that people have. But also too, you can provide a perspective that maybe some people have never been in a space before. You can provide a perspective that maybe is lost. So I call it covering your blind spots, right? And then if you don't have a perspective in the room, when you got somebody who's been in those spaces, he knows who to go talk to, right? And say, hey, look, we need a little bit more information about this. So the diversity of thought is something I don't think a, a lot of organizations do great. I think some, some organizations are uh, very narrow-minded, right, when it comes to things because they're so great at what they do. Mm -hmm. You have diversity of thought. It covers your blind spots. It produces innovation. It makes you better. It's easier said than done. Everybody thinks they're doing it until when it comes time to do it. And then it's a little bit more risk, risk adverse because people are not used to being in that space where they're not comfortable. Sure. So uh, that's what I've seen in, in, in my history, in my little short history. So yeah, the diversity of thought is so huge. And I can tell you how you do it is you literally, what, I, what I've seen with people, they usually gravitate towards people that are kind of like them. And, and that's natural, right? But when you start having conversation with people that have a different skill set than you or a different background and you literally are listening and learning, you're able to see things from their lens. And so- Perfect, perfect and example, you, perfect example yeah. is the data side, right? So if you're, if you're a coach or you're a player and you're dealing with the data side of things, that's, that's not the easiest conversation because unless you have a, a master's in mathematics, right, you probably aren't understanding a super high level of, yep. of what they're talking about. But then the data person uh, also has to bridge the gap of, well, they weren't a coach or they, you know, maybe they were a player, right? But how do you merge the two? And that's the difficulty, right? So but then when two great minds come together and they figure out how to have those, uh, again, back to the effective conversation, 
voila, right? And you can kind of uh, see where that may go. I want to touch on the, the exposure piece, right? So how do you get yourself exposed, right? We were just talking about having different conversations. What's one way to go about that? Because it's one way, it's one thing to talk about the concept of, hey, just go and have different conversations to get people's yeah. perspectives, right? But again, you got to ask the right questions. You got to understand what you're trying to get out of the conversation from the get-go, right? Because we all know conversations can go a million different ways and go on tangents and then you never get, never get out, out of it what you wanted to get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. How do you go about that strategically? So for me, some things that have happened, you know, I'm an extrovert by nature, right? So I know some people are introverted. It's a little bit harder for some people at times. But I think what you have to do, yes, you have to meet people where they are, right? And understand who they are. But if you can find some different people in different areas that you're interested in, literally, I think we've, we've somewhat overcomplicated a lot of things in life. But if you can ask them, hey, you know, I would love to learn about your journey, right? I see that you have background in A, B, C, D, and E. And, you know, that's something I really want to learn about. I would love to learn about your journey. That is a way right there. That very simple uh, sentence or question, I guess you could say, and people literally want to be able to talk about the things that they've done. I mean, people are proud of the things that they've done in the workplace and, and different. And, and you'll, and you'll learn about yourself talking about yourself too, sometimes, right? Because someone, someone who has a different perspective will point something out that's different. Right. And I always find that fascinating because you're like, oh man, I didn't think about that that way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where a lot of, you know, great ideas come from when you got two people that are sitting there and I've shared my background with so many different people like you and I have talked earlier before we started this and then you shared your background with me. And so now I know we're going to be friends and I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. I got questions I want to ask you, you know, whenever we're done with this, just for the future, because I am curious about, you know, certain things. I think you have to have a curious mindset. Um, I think we're so trained to do the work that we're doing that you got to always be curious about other people's paths, other people's perspectives. Uh, you don't always got to agree, but you got to be able to understand where somebody's coming from. Uh, and that's one thing, you know, I, I, I had somebody in AD that told me one time, he says, Tim, the best thing you can do in the world is to understand the political environment that you're in. He said, you will never ever be able to escape politics in the world. You gotta be able to understand people's perspectives, the power in the room, so you can build the coalitions to get things done. And that was so fascinating to me to be able to say, I gotta be able to understand everybody's point of view. Um, I don't gotta agree all the time, but it's always good to be able to have that dialogue. So you gotta ask those questions. Politics is a word that some people just have negative connotation to. And yep. I'll just say, I don't know why that is. Uh, and that's okay not to know. But my inclination is that it, it's almost as if politics are bad, but they're not, they, they don't represent bad. They represent uh, difference of perspectives, difference of skills, difference of people, difference of you know, ultimately the environment in which X, Y, and Z exist, right? Mm -hmm. So when you leave somewhere or when you are working somewhere and someone says, how's the political environment where you are? Your response is going to be different based on where you are too, right? Like the, who you work for, what team you're on, you know, what, you know, what level you are, what, you know, how that relates to the environment. So the yeah. politics might be better 
worse, different than another place, but it also depends on how you see it from your lens, right? You, you hit the nail on the head. And so we have negatively put, you know, words on politics that it's the worst thing ever, but there's nothing I've ever done in my life. And I'm sure you could probably relate to this that I haven't done to the, with the person to my left or to my right. Everything's so collaborative, right? Especially in the sports world or just the regular business world. Um, we got a lot of smart people in the world that are really good at what they do, but we can't do things without each other. So you have to be able to understand the political nature of an organization, of a room, of department, how are you going to collaborate to get things done, right? And so when we look at these organizations that we see what they do, when we look at an athletic department, give an example. If they're building a facility, you know, that takes a lot of talking through, collaborating, brain power to get that 100,000 seat stadium to fill it up. Or, you know, when we look at any project that I've done in my life, I've never been able to do it without other people, ever. So, but that takes a lot of engagement, relationship building, um, talking through what's your viewpoint. You're a subject matter expert in this and we need your viewpoint to be able to complete this. What do you see? Where are we missing the mark? So I 100% agree with you when people say, oh, I can't stand politics. Then you can't survive in the world. You know what I mean? <laughs> politics is just another word for the environment in which you work in or you live in and how it's how it presents its conflicts and challenges, right? Because no matter where you are, there's always going to be change, conflict, and challenge. And so when you think about, I'll call it those three C's, right? Change, it's everywhere, right? Whether you're changing jobs or someone else's or there's change in the organization, then that brings upon conflict, right? Mm -hmm. You have people going in and out or different, you know, uh, like you said, different projects where all of a sudden you've got 12 more cooks in the kitchen because you're, you know, to your athletic department example, right? You've, you're pulling constituents from the university side and the donor side and the state, you know, if it's a state school and the public funding, I mean, the amount of people that are involved, there's no possible way to avoid it. But I think something that you just hit on though, and I really want to want to talk about this is how do you navigate the political landscape within an environment in which you not only work in, but also are dealing with externally as well, because there's a difference between the political landscape externally and also internally. Man, that's such a great question, Jake, because the last two roles that I had that were full-time at UAB, strategy and business development, and then at the NCAA, engagement and strategic partnerships, I had to be external and internal, right? So, you know, I had to think about at UAB, we had to think about market analysis, competitor analysis, right? We had to think about our patients. We had to think about uh, the overall environment. So I'll, I'll be very frank with you at the time, you know, Barack Obama was president, they passed the Affordable Care Act. And so that affected our operations. That was an external thing that affected us internally and how we had to prepare. At the national office, you know, I was dealing with so much with our external coaches and administrators and our grassroots teams, Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, NBA, PA, those top athletes. So we're trying to make sure those kids are gonna be good, but then we gotta make sure our policies internally um, mirror what we're trying to accomplish. So 
you had to be able to bring so many perspectives externally into the internal environment, but then the internal environment to our external constituents to say, hey, these are the things that we're capable of doing. Um, we can't do this for A, B, C, D, and E, but this is what we can do. So I'll tell you the best thing that you can do. And this is where America right now, when we look at the protests and all these different things that we're talking about, you have to listen. Like it, that is such a simple thing that we've literally, most people want to see how, how smart they are. They want to talk about certain things they've done and which is great. But when you're able to listen in these environments, in these rooms, you can literally find the angle that you need to be able to have the conversation with who. And you can figure out, okay, where are the um, blind spots that we have, right? But the ability to listen is something that we have to be able to be better at. Um, and so when I look at the experiences that I had, I was always great with um, relationship building, um, diplomacy, things of that nature. But I was able to listen to so many different perspectives about things at UAB, in coaching, and then NCAA. And now um, it almost answers the questions for me. When you listen to people, the answers are there uh, more, more times than not. And so I think that's one of the best strategies that I can say that happens is the ability to listen to people. Um, I think that's huge. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned listening. It was funny. I was, I'll give a shout out to John, John Nowicki, who I know is listening, but we were just talking earlier and, and he said, you know, do you, do you prep the, the podcast episodes or like, you know, how do you prepare? Mm -hmm. No, quite frankly, I'm not going to use the term wing it, right? But I, I prepare, I know the person's background. I understand what kind of topics I want to touch on. And then we just have a conversation and I really listen to what you're saying and I generate the questions from that. Now, there's a skill that's developed of how do you generate questions on the fly and, exactly. and all that sort of stuff. But at the same time, that happens as you get better at listening and you have almost something I've observed over, you know, this, this amount of time now is doing all these different episodes. You have different thought patterns that occur because you're having to think differently of, okay, they're talking about this. You know, Tim's talking about, you know, listening. Okay. What am I going to talk about, about listening next? Okay. And then you just take it from there. Right. And so, you know, as we wrap up this episode and, and it's been such a great conversation, I, I've really enjoyed kind of your perspectives on it. When you think back to when you started, right. We'll, we'll put you back in your GA shoes <laughs> back at Alabama. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I don't know what political landscape existed there, <laughs> right. In, in college athletics, but when you think about someone who's going to fill that GA shoe right now, or someone who's maybe getting into corporate healthcare, or maybe going into administration at the NCA or doing a post-grad internship or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. how do you not, how do you, how do you go about the political landscape when you just don't know what you don't know yet? yeah like because i you know you're, you're talking about all these different things of you know this experience that experience but like you didn't know that at 22. oh jay not only did i not know that at 22 i made a lot of mistakes right <laughs> so i did not know it at 22 and i made some mistakes it <laughs> that's the beautiful part about this you're gonna screw up like you're gonna you're gonna screw up a little bit and that's the beautiful part about this and i'll tell you you know looking back what, I, what advice I could give to myself now, you know, 
15 years ago. Um, definitely, obviously, we talked about listening more. The things that I did a really good job of was some of the stuff that we talked about earlier is I sought out those people, not only with, you know, in my inner circle that I was working with, but I set up lunches with the more senior people too, you know, lunches and, and I would go to every, you know, if we had a happy hour or a dinner or, and I would, you know, exchange, um, you know, contact information. And I said, hey, can I reach out to you and like, let's have a conversation. I want to learn about your background, right? And I want to learn, okay, what are the pros and what are the cons? And then also, where were your successes and where were your failures? Like when you start really asking people those kind of questions, they can save you a lot of heartache, right? When they say, well, you know what? I messed up here, um, wherever that's at. And then when you see that scenario, you're able to say, whoa, 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 you know, whoever it may be, a mentor or a person said they had the exact same scenario and they messed up. And so to this day, I still have those conversations with people to where um, I lean on people to ask questions, right? I don't know all the answers, uh, things of that nature, but yes, I can tell you now, you're gonna have to be able to take off your hat that you think you know everything. Cause you know, we, we are knowledgeable, smart people and, and put the onus on people to tell you their experiences, to tell you the things we talked about, pros, cons, successes, failures, uh, things of that nature. And I'm gonna tell you the other thing that, you know, younger people now should make sure that they understand. It's, it's a couple things. One, understand how the money's made in your organization. You, you better oh, understand that. Oh, yeah. Money. yeah, yeah, you better understand that. Two, you better have some data or quantifiable things to back up, you know, either your thoughts or the work that you've done, right? Um, those are things that I didn't necessarily know as much at a younger age, but that's what organizations are ran on, right? All organizations are ran on that. I knew that it mattered, but you know, all the touchy feel good stuff is good, but you better better back it up with those two things. We're talking about uh, the data and where the money's made. And so, um, and those were things that I asked people and they said, hey, yeah, you know, Tim, this is what we really gotta make sure we do. So yeah, th those are experiences now that I can tell you at 37 that I did not have at 22. 22, I was, I thought I was gonna be a final four coach by the age of 30. I was like, ah, I'm being a final four at 30 coaching a basketball team and then life changed. So retired, retired at 40 and, and life <laughs> great. I, I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I think the, the word that comes to me if I think about you know, the last thing that we, we touch on is acceptance, right? So it's accepting that you can agree to disagree. It's accepting that you don't know everything or you don't know what you don't know, or it's accepting that uh, you've got your role and that's what you're doing, but there is other ways to learn about other things, right? To your example about, you know, through other people. Um, and then it's accepting that things will come and ultimately, you know, what you can control is what you can control. And I know we talked about that on a couple of different episodes, but uh, the vulnerability of accepting being vulnerable, I think is, is yep. huge too. And that, that can be a whole nother episode and I, we, we won't go on a tangent there, but um, Tim really appreciate the conversation uh, and your time on, on being on the life in the front office podcast. Any last words for the listeners? Yeah. I, I appreciate you actually having the chance to interview me and I'll tell you in the times that we are, obviously we're dealing with COVID, you know, and we're dealing with, you know, some 
some protests and things of that nature and the nature um, of the world is a little bit in flux. And I do want to say, we talked about diversity of thought and different things like that. But, you know, right now, I think it's a time that we really, really, really got to practice that. Right. And we really got to practice that. But also, too, now that we're practicing it, what action items are we going to do to be better as a society and as a whole? And so, you know, I can tell you, be very frank, you know, right now I see a lot of statements from a lot of different organizations and things of that nature when it comes to, you know, diversity, inclusion, diversity of thought and things of that nature. But, you know, the thing that I want to be able to see is how, do, how are we going to practice that? What does your action plan look like? And so that is something I want to make sure I leave the listeners with um, when it comes to the current environment. Um, but for people that are also trying to get into this space, do not eliminate opportunities that can offer you a transferable skill set that will allow you to put yourself in a space to get the job you want down the line, right? So we look at so many opportunities, right? Who would ever thought that Google, Facebook, Twitter, all these people are in the sports space. So people always think about coaching and athletic director. They never think about sponsorships or partnerships or events or tech, you know, and, you know, you even got people don't understand you have beer and alcohol companies that are so heavily involved in the sports space. Right. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity to be able to find your niche and find those transferable skills, uh, build those relationships to get where you want. And so I think there's um, a lot of opportunity for people that, or listen to the podcast that want to be able to move forward in their career. So uh, don't limit yourself. That would be the last thing I would say. Yeah. No, you couldn't have said any better, Tim. Really appreciate the time. And thanks again. Hope, hope to do it again soon for sure. Hey, let's do it, my man. <laughs>